It was May. 30 hours of recording. Yeah. We're, we're at like our second episode recording of the day. I am I'm so tired. tired. Yeah. We would be singing for four or five hours. Jesus, <laughs> we cover in 15 minutes what yes. it took them three days to cover. With less artistry and panache. <laughs> so to offer quid partially chewed, right, was an act of flirtation. God. If you wanna get with me, baby, there's a price to pay. Slaves. <laughs> the slaves. In my head, the story is was like, so this epic proves that the earth is round. <laughs> And that to who and that to what's his face was the first person to discover Hawaii. Her voice for a few takes now, so she's laughing. But yes, indeed, welcome to the Gossip Speaker Z podcast. I'm Ice. I'm Anima. And this is a podcast on Philippine mythology and folklore. Yay! So today, what we're covering is part two mm-hmm. of two different series. Yes. Our series have different like threads. Anyway, <laughs> this is another installment in our Philippine epic series. Last time we covered what is an epic mm-hmm. in Philippine folklore? Mm-hmm. And we covered Biag Nilamang. Probably the more famous, most famous one. Yeah, including that weird bath he took in that Gross lake bath. where he killed all of the animals. Like laundry stripping, but for people. Exactly. <laughs> and it's also part two of the episode we covered on Binokot. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the epics, and there will be multiple epics that we talk about today, do feature Binokot as kind of the prize. The prize that the heroes and the epics mm-hmm. are vying for. If you missed our Binokot episode, the Binokot is the special uh, girl of the village, usually the daughter of Datu or an important wealthy person. And she is set aside from a very young age. To increase her market value, mm-hmm. right? So they don't let her step out in the sun. They don't let her do any kind of hard labor. Or so, touch the ground. So she's very fragile, fair-skinned. And she has a lot of notable skills like very fine embroidery. She gets taught a lot of the special dances and oral traditions. So we cover that and more, like accounts of the the most recent Binokot in modern day and how their experiences are. We covered that in the previous episode, so please do go check it out if you haven't yet. So today I want to cover a few epics. Mm-hmm. In general, it's just really two epics. Mm-hmm. Mo- both of them coming from the Visayas region, mm-hmm. right? So one of them is called Datong Sumanga and Bugbong Humasanun. Mm-hmm. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> Repeat that. We're just doing <laughs> ten times twisters. really fast. I love New York. I need New York. I love and need unique New York. And then the second part of it is Nilawod or the three brothers of Panay. And 
I've I've always wanted to cover it because when I first read it, I was like, oh my god, this feels like a telenovela. It's so yeah. dramatic. There's so many things going on, and there are different versions of like one particular story that I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first, I I sourced heavily from two books in particular. We talked about it in our book read mm-hmm. episode. First is the Outline of Philippine Mythology by F. Landa Hocano. And honestly, if you want, like, just like. A really comprehensive overview of like a lot of stories of gods and goddesses and epics. This is a really good starting point. And I also sourced from Barangay by William Henry Scott, which recounts a lot of 16th century Philippine culture and mm-hmm. society. Also heavily Visayas because it was one of the areas that was documented and covered extensively by the early Spanish Because that's where they explorers. landed first, yeah? yeah. I mean, like, for the, you know, for us who grew up in the Philippines, we knew that they landed in the middle of the Philippines in Cebu. Yes. Mactan, particularly. And so the Visayas were, like, the first documented, if not first conquered regions yes. of the Philippines. A lot of people might think, like, Manila was the first city. It is not. It is... 15th or something <laughs> but yes that's why the Visayas is very well documented and this is an interesting thing that I learned so the Spanish didn't have a letter for the ng sound that mm-hmm. we have so ng mm-hmm. so that's why it was translated to barangay because mm-hmm. it didn't have like barangay and it, the mm-hmm. actual pronunciation is barangay Ah, really? Or bang- bang- barangay. Yeah, balangay. Or oh, barangay. Yeah, yeah. Because, because L and R were interchangeable and, for us. And I, I found that even like in, for example, in Kapampangan, mm-hmm. there's this province called Guagua. Guagua, yeah. And apparently, the early Kapampangans really called it Wawa. Oh! But because the Spanish didn't have that word or that no. letter, it no. got translated into Guagua. There's also this guy on TikTok who I really like, and we'll insert him later on. But he he said, there's no J sound, so Raha, like words like Raha Humabon, Raha Suleiman, they're like Rada, or Rabba, or Rad, you know, Raga. So they're different versions, because J was not a, a sound that they had, or H was not Who's a sound. Who's they? The, the early documenters. Spanish? Yes, yes. Ah. And they had a different letter for H, the H sound. So they're not sure if they meant for the H sound, for Raha, or if it was a completely different word altogether. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in Kapapangan, we don't have H either. That's the joke I was telling you mm. before. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Sidebar. Along aside, where was I? Balangay is the other book you used. Yes. So, I loved... One part that I loved when we covered the Pinocot stories is because they are so cloistered and secluded and they're not allowed to, you know, learn a lot of practical manual skills. They they were instead taught to kind of learn a lot of the oral tradition... And um, arts. And practices... And arts of their culture. they have routine, like like rituals, mm. no? So, yeah, because as I said, right, some of them learned the traditional dances and there yeah. are dances that only a binukot maiden yeah, could perform. Dancing. So sometimes in some of their celebrations or rituals, yeah. there was a special performance just by the binukot. So they oh. would arrive in... But this is after she's very, married. Huh? This is after she's when married. When she's allowed to go out. So sometimes okay. a parent would bring their 
um, Binukot daughter. daughter out to perform, but only on very rare special occasions to also expose her and kind of have her beauty and mm-hmm. you know, celebrated and exposed to potential suitors. It's called the pageant. <laughs> but anyway, so there are a few well-known Binukot, or at least they're known because they helped in passing down the tradition of some of these epics. And in fact, honestly, if it weren't for these women, we would have lost these stories mm-hmm. honestly forever, mm-hmm. right? So there's one person, there, there's one woman, her name is Hugan An. Hugan An. And she was the singer and chanter of the epic Hinilawod of Central Panay. Mm-hmm. And she recorded 30 hours wow. of this epic to the folklorist F. Landa Hokano. Mm-hmm. Again, the author of Did he like record it like on a tape recorder? Yeah. Real to real. Yeah. Wow. So the Hinilawod is 29,000 verses. Longest podcast in ever. It's, <laughs> in, its, in its original form and mm-hmm. it takes about three days to record it. Wow. And ch- to, to chant it in its original form. When and would they normally chant it? So, as we covered in our episode mm-hmm. on epics, right? So, epics are tales of valor, right? Mm-hmm. Of the traditions and, and customs and pride of, of a specific community. And there would be, you know, honestly, very well-respected and well-known artists who would be the ones who carry this tradition. So, sometimes they're men, sometimes they're women, but they're very well-revered in storytellers. And... These are usually sung. Mm-hmm. So the structure of the epic is very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are rhymes. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot of like hyperbolic kind of language because you're trying to recount the tales of heroes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would be heroes of long past. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would even be of warriors and heroes of their present Who are time. just about to go into yeah. war. So yeah. these are things that are sung or retold during feasts, mm-hmm. during funerals during weddings mm-hmm. or honestly at the past right before they would go to war right mm-hmm. to kind of like rev up the yeah. engines and kind of boost the morale Hype. of the people it was like a no pep rally yeah exactly but you know it's also like remember we did the episode on anting anting mm. that sometimes parts parts of an epic especially when they're talking about you know the warriors getting ready that's part of an anting anting. Like the chant, the story. Yeah. Because the kinds you would talk about, like, he put on his sash that was made of gold and his arms were completely covered from head. Like, his body was yeah. completely covered in tattoos from head to, to toe, toe and stuff like that. He and kept a pendant from his mother. You only saw a... his gold teeth flash. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the Hinilawad is one of the longest known epics. I think. It's equal to the epic of King Gazar from Tibet. Wow. Right? And it's it's really a good kind of, obviously a literary kind of tradition, but it's also a lot of, it gave a lot of information about the culture and religion of, of, the, epic, of the ancient people of Sulod. Sulod? Yeah. Where is Sulod? In the, in the Panay region, central oh. Panay. So it's from the Sulod people. And it said here that it was actually discovered by accident. Ooh. In 1955. So, F. Hokano was interested in folklore. He was traveling traveling around Panay, which is where he was from, with two other kind of colleagues. And they were actually just collecting folk songs, riddles, mm-hmm. you know, different like folk stories. And at that time, he went to one of the barrios in Iloilo. And then someone told him that, you know, there's a very long and popular tale. Mm-hmm. This epic called the Hinilawod. Mm-hmm. And there were 
parts of the song that were sung to him, but no one could give him the complete the full picture. Story, yeah. yeah. So he came back the year after with a radio technician uh-huh. from the Central Philippines University, CPU. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted to record a portion of the, the story. But when he came back in 1957 to complete the story, because he was only able to record a short part, the person who was supposed to tell it to him, so Ulang Udig, mm-hmm. could only recount one portion of it, which is the epic of Labaw Dongon. Because mm-hmm. Hinilawod, as you will get to know later, is the story of the three, three brothers, brothers of Panay. Labaw Dongon just is just the eldest brother. Oh. Right? And he could no longer recount the epic of <gasps> Was Madagno. he very old? Yeah, he's very old. Oh, so he, could, he couldn't no. remember it anymore. So later on, so Ulang Udig introduced Hokano to his aunt, an old babaylan oh. named Udungan. But the old Babaylan could only chant little portions of Humadapnon. So eventually, Hokano was then introduced to Udungan's niece, a mountain singer named Huganan. Who was the binakot. Who was the binakot. And at first, she didn't want to. Like, he really had to like work to convince her to, mm-hmm. to, to record it for him. So eventually, she allowed herself to be taped. And then she recounted the story. It took three weeks to complete. Because it's tiring, right? Yeah, to yeah, like yeah. recount. It was My, 30 hours of recording. Yeah. We're, we're at like our second episode recording of the day. I am I'm so tired. tired. <laughs> My... my- you know what's funny? I remember my Lola. Mm. She was a known chanter in Batangas. Mm. She would do Passion, which is essentially the Passion of Christ. Yeah. And she would go Friday at, at least five hours on. In her, like, when she was in her 80s, she would still do Passion. Like, Passion is during Holy Week, right? Oh, yes, but she would do it in our house, in her house. Friday, which is like the most important one, but she would be invited to different yeah. towns, and she would do... you go to different places. There would be a group of ladies, and yeah. they would be singing for four or five hours. If you my think about said, it, my dad said she would just make up. <laughs> she's not making it up and she's like he's totally but you know what's funny up. if you think about it that's the way of 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 the catholic priest to yeah. erase epic tradition because yes, they, they were like the story. oh there's another story you can talk about yeah the story in, an, of, in another date they, of they, this um, because jesus is pretty epic i mean this <laughs> this middle eastern jew yeah <laughs> But yeah, but it's it's a similar practice, right? Like my mom, my yeah. gra- my grandma. I'll show you a picture. Her. I'll show you a picture, and we'll post it on the on the Instagram page. This is her recording it with Eflan the Hohan. Wow! So she's old, just like she's holding it. But she was the niece of someone. I know. Who, who you know? Hey, Filipinos lived to an old. My grandmothers were like ninety four and ninety five when they died. Yeah, there was another lady. So that's the Hinilawod. There was another lady called she. We talked about her earlier. Mm-hmm. She was one of the binokot that we talked about. Angoran. Her Christian name is Preciosa Caballero. Oh yeah. yes, she's so, related to Teresita Caballero. Yeah. So yes. Preciosa, also known as Susa or Angoran, love the nicknames. Yeah. So she was a 733-year-old babaylan. Love it. And an epic chanter from... She was an Hilo epic Hilo. chanter, not an epic chanter. <laughs> she was an epic chanter. <laughs> an epic chanter. <laughs> so she's one of the people who helped record a lot of the epics from Panay. Mm-hmm. And she helped record Humadapton sa Tarangban. 
mm-hmm. which she recited for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And Derikar yung Pada, which was recited in 7 hours. So it, said, it says here, during these months, she would sing lines from the epics for 10 minutes at a time and would rest. And due to her old age, Alicia Magnus was one of the co- scholars who collected it, gave her plenty of time to kind of like chant whenever she would feel she had energy. And it's then, like us with this podcast. And, <laughs> and then she would, she would, so it says here, Angoran would chant when she felt like it. Yeah. And when she was inspired to. At times, waking up at dawn, at around four in the morning, the chant would be recorded. The sad thing is, she died at, in 19, at the end of November 1993. So, she finished recording those two epics, but she passed away in December of that year, leaving at least two other epics she knew about and spoke oh, of to no. be unrecorded. So, this is literally like witnessing us losing part of our yeah. Yeah. literature. This is her. She's so cute. We'll post the pictures, like guys. She's so cute. So cute. I love her outfit. She looks so jolly. Yeah. For for those of you guys who have like older older parents, my grandma when she died at again ninety five, there were so many things I didn't know about her life. Like when when during her wake, our other relatives came and I said I don't think I remember meeting you guys before. They're like you know no we live we used to live near your lola but we moved away. We live next door to her so that. When she went off to go smuggle goods from the Americans, she left her daughters with us. And it's like, well, 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 yeah, yeah. She used to steal from the American bases and and steal stuff and then sell them off in the black market. And your granddad was her getaway driver. Mm. My granddad was her second husband. And I never knew this. And she never told me. I thought she was just like some old lady who liked to drink beer and cook. So, <laughs> you guys, if you have the chance, talk to your grandmas. If you yeah. have a binakot grandma, or serve uh, your oral traditions. Yeah, even if it's not a cultural tradition, if it's yeah. your family's traditions, yeah. you have to record it with technology nowadays. You can do it. But yeah, that's so sad. But at least she got to record her stories, no? Mm, that's true. 57. She was a babaylan. 1957. I, I want to know her story. Like, how did yeah. she get about being a babaylan? We'll have a separate well. segment that's just babaylan. Oh, we definitely. I, that's going to be minimum two parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we talked before about the, so, the, the purpose of epics. And yes. when they were like... Was this? When they were performed, mm-hmm. right? And when they were shared. It's also interesting to look at record... Like, to look at the perspective of epics from people who were... You know, the Spanish people who were coming in. They were trying to learn and interpret... And kind of look at things that were... You realize what was meaningful to them when they were recording it. Mm-hmm. Because they said that, like, obviously it was literature. But it also kind of helped them give... give help give them perspective on the warring cultures mm-hmm. of the early Filipinos. And the fact that a lot of the epics, even though they talked about, you know, revenge and conquering neighboring tribes and, like defeating the monsters, etc. I think the one thing that they picked up was there was so much of... Romance. No, not really. It was it was like they kind of glorified like battles with monsters and stuff like that. But at the at the at the core of it, there was the power and prestige that were really talked about in the Philippine epics were based not on like ownership of Wealth. like on like wealth and ownership of cattle or whatever, like in the Iliad or the Mahabharata, was on the control of slave labor. Oh no! So the Visayan heroes who were celebrated as Karanduun or worthy of Kandu acclaim would have won their reputations in real life on their slave raids. 
So there are epics that genuinely talk about like, you know, defeating this this island nation, defeating this tribe. And we took all and their people and remember made them in Lamang, he yeah. purportedly went to the other tribe yeah. to get revenge for his father. But what mm-hmm. if it was about like taking slaves, taking slaves yeah. as well? Yeah. And and and, and and in many in many cultures, and I think this was in South. South Asia, Sri Lanka, or some in those regions, when people have been taken as slaves, the narrative sometimes is that they were just defeated and killed because sometimes it's there's more honor in being defeated in battle than being captured as slaves. Yeah. So you shouldn't just take it at face value when they say, "Oh, that tribe was this was in in Africa too, in Sub-Saharan mm-hmm. Africa. Oh no, in Northern Africa. They were like valiant enough to mm-hmm. to die rather it, yeah, than be taken like, as slaves. Exactly. So they would. So sometimes. So remember, remember Amistad. He returned. He returned to his to his village, and when he returned, Sinke returned. People Amistad, were, oh my god, I cried. No, I, I watched it just like a couple of months ago. Jimon Honsu. But anyway, Sinkerator. People were surprised because they had been told that he was dead because that narrative told by his family was better than, than the narrative of him taking taken as a slave. So yeah, it's very possible. So where was I? So that's valued really. That's, that's Yeah, that was like a signal of power and prestige. Like, uh, are you strong enough? Wasn't there like this weird thing? Like, I mean, a lot of things we studied in social studies when we were kids, but mm. a lot of things stood out for me. It's like the different kinds of servants you had. Yeah. Right? The ali, alipin sagigilid, alipin mangbabahay. And it's like, because there are, why do we there, have so many kinds of servants? There are slaves that are good enough to be in the household. There yeah. are slaves that are only good enough to serve outside the house. And live outside the village. Because and they're because they're from your tribe, essentially. And then you have slaves that are from outside. Mm-hmm. We talked about the albino slaves. Albino slaves as anting anting. Yeah. 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 Dwarves. So, so, for example, by the way, when I say the word kandu, it's... It's it's kind of another word for epic. Okay. Yeah. So one of the so there's a quote for you example. You got a can do attitude. So can do. You got K K E N D U. So for example, an example of this, why they feel like that's a signal of prestige. So one of the epics, one of the quotes is, "You raid with your eyes and capture many, and with only a glance you take more prisoners than raiders do with their pangayao." Pangayaw is a slave raid. Yeah. So that was, we need to, in a future episode, really get into war yeah. um, practices and beliefs. I know we, we talked about it a lot in the episode on, um, what's her name? In, Inaginid. Inaginid, mm-hmm. right? We should, we should. You know what? A lot of wars and a lot of battles in pre-colonial Philippines are still being studied to this day in military academies. Yeah. So like the 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 battle that defeated Magellan is being studied in the Philippine Military Academy until today. All right. Another <laughs> another common theme or common practice that really comes out in the Philippine epics is the battle knot. Oh, and, the battle knot. And remember, we just talked about it in Lamang. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out what it meant. So I found out a bit more about it, but I think it's interesting that it's actually something that thematically is is present. Not yeah. thematically, but it's present across yeah. multiple epics. Yep. Right? Do you know the whole yes, my background? Yes, my Lola does the best. Well, I know no, of the you, battle knot. Do you know the, the, the background of it? How no, tell it? me. Okay. So... I have to go... Is it the hallucinogenic? 
That's not what we're gonna talk about. Okay. So, the betel nut is the fruit of the areca palm. Yes. And it's usually chewed together with a leaf yes. of the betel piper vine. Yes. From which it has borrowed this You ra- wrap it up. Yeah. So, you, so, the nut itself, you cut into segments and then mm-hmm. you sprinkle it with lime. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you wrap it in the leaf. And calamansi. Then you, yeah. And then you... Oh, calamansi. Kaffir lime. And you chew it and it and that's what produces the blood, blood red spittle. Yes. Right? So, the nut itself is called bonga, mm-hmm. which is honestly bunga, fruit. Okay. Right? And the betel vine is called buyo. Mm-hmm. You have to remember these terms later. Yes. Because they're actually relevant for one of the Okay. Epics, right? <laughs> and then when you chew it, so the act of chewing is called mama. Mm-hmm. And then you... Oh, in Batangas, we say nganga. Yeah, nganga or mama. Mm-hmm. And then the, you, you, the half-chewed part or the quid... It's called mamun. Mm-hmm. And that's important because they exchange half-chewed yes. betel, right? Yes. So, the preparation exchange and serving of the betel is one of the most important social acts mm-hmm. among the science. Mm-hmm. And so, men would always carry like the ingredients for betel with them in little baskets or pouches. And you have to be ready to really share it. It's like pahikisama yeah. with people. Or getting along with each other. Exactly. Yeah. And it's an essential relationship before discussing any business oh, or any kind of discussion. But what's in it? Huh? What's in it? Interesting. So... If you were, if if the household, for example, failed to offer betel nut to anyone who entered the house, it was considered insult, mm-hmm. right? And on formal visits, they were prepared and served in very like in precious metal boxes or trays Ooh. by the females of the household, depending on the rank. So sometimes, and this happened in one of the climaxes of the Humadapnon epic, there were 62 lines that just described betel nut being prepared and served by binokot maidens. Ooh. That's how rich and prestigious. So that's the ultimate sign of It's kind of like tea ceremony. And prestige, yeah. It's like tea ceremony yeah. for for ancient Panay people. And sometimes if they wanted to make it like more special, they would add a touch of musk Animal musk. Animal yeah. musk. You okay. guys know where musk comes from? It comes from animals. It comes from a particular part of a particular animal. It's a particular gland. Yeah. Look it up. And, <laughs> or a slice of cinnamon bark or some other kind of There's aromatic There's cinnamon flavor. in the fill? Well, the they want to make it fancy. The, okay, okay. You know? Okay. And betel nut. So this is where it comes. I imagine it's like salt bay. They're going like this. Yeah. <laughs> So this is where in, in epics it also makes a more prominent role. So it also figured a lot in romance and courtship. Mm. So to offer a partial a quid partially chewed, right, was an act of flirtation. God. So can you imagine I would You're chew it? Spit. I would I would take it out of my mouth after chewing it and offer it to you, and that's like me flirting with you. To send, to send one in response to a man's clandestine request was an acceptance of his advances. To send you're swapping spit. To send it unbidden, an open <gasps> invitation. <laughs> so this is what you were asking me. Is it a hallucinogen? People, yeah. So young people chewing it for the first time usually suffered giddiness. Mm. Like that produced by alcohol. Mm. And for a young lady, to mm. first chew betel nut is kind of like a puberty, right? Okay. Yeah. My Lola did it all the time. Like, and then she's like, it's kind of like smoking. 
but it strengthens your teeth. Like she did not brush her teeth. She did nganga. Yeah, that's. That, yeah. I mean, that's the first time I encountered the betel knot. It I was really? in the context of like there are certain tribes who would chew it, and then yeah. it would really strengthen your teeth. But then I also heard the opposite, which is that it damaged. Oh, it damaged your like teeth. It stained your teeth for sure. Or maybe it damaged your gums. Maybe, maybe it was just really like really weird for me. Like sometimes when I used to when I was younger and I would talk to my dola, mm. and then she had she was chewing betel knot, and it's like it's blood red. Yeah, like, I said, is she bleeding? No, she's doing her nganga. Her like, like, for example, it, it's so predominant that there are, like, metaphors related to it. So, for example, <sighs> the Datu's followers turned the ground as bloody as a battlefield with their spittle. Because they were chewing the battle. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, then let's move on to one of the, the epics where both Abinokot <gasps> and Datunat <laughs> for the Okay. <laughs> turn up. So, it's Datung Sumanga and Bugbong Humasanul. Okay. So, Bugbong humasanon. Bugbog. Bugbong humasanon. Yes. It was very well known and renowned for her beauty mm-hmm. and great fame for talent. So she is a binokot, a very okay. special maiden in Bohol. Mm-hmm. So secluded and enclosed in her chamber that nobody ever saw her except by sheerest chance. Mm-hmm. So again, she's a binokot. She never saw the sun. She uh-huh. was like hidden from people. And she said that her visage was like the sun when it spread its first rays all over the world or like a sudden flash of lightning. So that's how fair and bright she she looked like. And so there was this one chief who really, 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 really wanted her. Mm-hmm. His name is Datong Sumanga. Okay, Datong and Sumanga. And one day, he arrived at her house. So he arrived below her house and asked for the princess. Who she, He didn't call... So, so, sorry. So he asked for the princess. He... Literally just called out her name. And he and a, spit at her. And with apparently his that's that's not respectful or something. Yeah, it's because not. You ask permission, no? I because believe. she was very irritated. And I she was be. angry at how at how bold he was or pretending to be. Don't holler at me, Because boy. she was like, you don't have the right to talk to me directly no. yet. So she sent a maid mm-hmm. <laughs> to ask who he was. And when she found out who he was... Who you? She, she acted <laughs> even angrier because... You don't even have the courtesy to, according to custom, to have someone come on your behalf. Yes. He, he, so she said, I guess to insult him, she's like, do you have no Negroes to command or slaves <gasps> to send? <laughs> or perhaps not even someone he esteemed like a son whom he trusted as faithful who could send as a friend? So oh she really God. insulted him. She's like, are you like so, so poor? Like you don't even have a slave. And by the way, why is Negro and slave separate words? Because you have different kinds, remember? Ah, There's different kinds so, of slaves. That so you like have. That's right? right? You have your you have your Negro slaves, you so, have your albino slave, you have your Yeah. So dwarf obviously slaves. he was rebuffed. But he was like, Okay, I'll fight I want Is her. he the hero of this story? Yeah. Okay. So he's kinda rude. So he he's did select guy. so he did select a Negro slave. <laughs> and he ordered the guy to go. So bad. <laughs> he, he ordered, he ordered the slave to go as an intermediary and asked the princess for buyo. What's okay. buyo? Yeah. Buyo is the leaf. Yeah. Yes. And and told him not to come back without them. So so the Negro went to this message, he asked for the buyo, and obviously he, he went to the usual words of courtesy and praise to become like to you know, all the polite customary practices. And she said that she had neither bongas to put in, nor the buyos nor leaves to make them. For the bonga she used came from where the sun rose, and the leaves which she added from where it set. 
And that's all she said. Okay. So so she has she she doesn't have inventory. She has just in time inventory. Yeah, she's like, oh, I don't have the special bunga that comes from this side and the buyo that comes from that side. So she's trying to give him a hard time. Like, how yeah. hard are you gonna work for me if yes, you really want? Me? Exactly. So when the when the datu heard it, so he immediately orders his slave to go and search. So he w- go east for the bunga and go west for the leaves, just as the princess asked for them. And this they did at once. And then he asked the so he he had them handed over to her to make buyos for him. And the lady replied that she could not make them because she had no lime, um, since her lime was only found in a certain distant and isolated island. And so the negro the, the negro slave came came back, and the Danato immediately ordered his ships to go to sea and find this the lime. This seems to be like a better story. It's about how how great the negro slave was, not that you know. <laughs> and of course, this they did immediately, and then they went back to her. By the way, we're not saying it in a we're not saying the n word in a in that context. It's a Spanish descriptor. Yeah, it's a Spanish descriptor of, of probably like dark skinned, dark skinned yeah. curly haired slaves yeah. at that time, right? Which is honestly one of the earliest indigenous tribes in the Philippines. Exactly. It could be just another Filipino guy. Or the from tribes Zambales. that lived in the higher lands, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so when they eventually came back with the lime and said, okay, now can you make the buyo? She said that. She can't, I don't have my ornamental dish. She said she can't make them until his master went in person to Tandag Town on the coast of Koraga and made a mangayo raid there and Ooh. brought her those that he captured. Oh no! So she really is she like, do you really want me? Like, uh-huh. You're gonna have to work for it. So he... If you wanna get with me, <laughs> baby, there's a price to pay. Slaves! <laughs> The slaves. <laughs> so he immediately went on a voyage with his with his barangays, with his okay. boats. Um, yeah, with his men. Mm-hmm. And then they went to Caraga and they took 120 people and brought them. They were like, why are you over. taking us? Because I want a girl to meet my girlfriend and give me nga. <laughs> exactly. But she was still not content with this. Mm-hmm. And then she sent back the slave to say she could not make the buyos until he did the same thing to the islands of Yambig and Kamigin. And so he immediately went out. He came back with 220 different kinds of slaves whom he sent back to the girl and asked again, if he could, now can you make the buyos? To which she said, no. Can you still perform the same thing to the islands of Sikihor and the town of Dapitan? And so he did it again. And then he brought back the slaves, but they were still not enough for her. She asked him to do the same thing to the towns of Mindoro and the island of Hulo. How many slaves does she need? 52. Okay, we'll, we'll go to my guess. But anyway, so... So, so far, it's been a 1,000. Like, 500, 600. At least, right? Yeah. So, so, undaunted by even this challenge, for a lover, unless he is mad, fears as little as those who are, he started out on the four, fourth expedition. So, he did it all over again. He went to Mindanao in Holo. He finally came back with even more slaves, sent them to her. But almost, how, many, how, how long is this raiding thing going on? I mean, on? All, of the epic, so far. all of the epics pa- span, like, years and years, right? If you think about it. That's true. So, again, the slave went back with all the other slaves and said, now can you please make the buyo? And she said, she she still didn't want, she still couldn't do it. So she said, this is so intense. So she still wasn't happy. And then she gave another, she gave another message to the slave. And the slave is already so irritated at this I point. I would be. So <laughs> I'll, I'll read the quote. But not even this time would she willing to give in, but rather send him another demand by the fuming go-between 
who told the Datu, Sire, what the princess said is that she esteems your favors and admires your valor, but that in order to demonstrate you really love her, and so your promise prowess may be better known, she has heard that not very far from these islands is the great kingdom of China. What? A people very rich and opulent who chirp like birds with a sing-song voice and nobody understands them. Oh my god, and this she is said like no a, more. This is like a racist. Ultimate racist. So she said, now you have to get me slaves from China. I thought, now you have to get me China. <laughs> so he to- undertook his fifth voyage. He traveled to Grand China. And then he made assaults on the towns who were obviously surprised. Like, what's going on here? He captured enough to fill his ships and made the return voyage to the land with great speed laden with captives and spoils, for which he immediately sent his lady and again asked for buyos. But the lady still did not give what? in. And, and now... Like, now you go to India. Now she said... Now she was asking for the impossible. She said that in due time and without fail, she would make the buyos if he performed one more task first, which was, was that he should bring her something from heaven, as important oh. as what he had brought her from earth. Oh. And then... He said, okay, let's try to conquer it. <laughs> so what? he prepared his ships and then he went off. So he embarked. To where? To heaven. To the upper world. I guess. Right? In the Visayan tradition. So he went, but he didn't because he could not reach or cover the horizons. And so... Sorry. And then he ended up in, in Hawaii. Yeah. So he embarked, but in vain. And so he sailed, but without end. For of all the receding horizons, he neither reached one nor could he cover them all. So he returned satisfied and sent word to her that he had done what she had ordered, but that could only dedicate, not give the thunder and lightning to her. For throughout the many regions he had coursed, many were heard, but few were found. So he said, this is an impossible task. Mm -hmm. And then, so this is where he's like, fuck this, he said. He added that unless she sent him the buyos immediately, which had cost him so much, and had so tired him out, he would come and personally remove her hairpiece and make a sombol plume of it for his ship. And for a binokot, this is a very because you don't cut your hair, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you ornament it and and yeah. you know keep it like nice. So and he beautiful. threatened her that he would it's, scalp it's her. It's a dishonor to you for anyone yeah. to even touch it. And he said, if after all of this you're still not going to give me the buyo, I'ma shave your head. Yeah. I'm gonna use it as a decoration for my ship. Like, snap. He threw the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And on receiving this message, she began to cry and moan, terrified in her heart lest he dishonor her. And so she decided to make the buyos so many times denied. So when she made them, she put them in a little casket of marble and sent them th- through the slave, right? Who was already like been back and forth He's so, so many annoyed. times. He's so tired and he's, he's so assassinated. And so when he brought them to her, he said I wouldn't even touch the him and sent them back saying he would not accept them whole but only chewed and she should send them in a perfume box of gold which is a sign of her consent and pledge of their intended wedding celebrations. So eventually they got married. That is such a weird structure of an epic for me. That's the end by the way. That's the end of the epic. Yeah. And it's such a weird epic to hear because not only did he not succeed in the final challenge but he kind of like turned the tables on her yeah. and then threatened her and then yeah. they got married and I'm like, is this a happy ending? I'm so confused. I think it's happy for the slave because he doesn't have to go back and forth anymore. Yeah. He's like the annoyed. In my head, I have cast him as Roderick Paulate. <laughs> like very annoyed. And he's he's like, like, 
enough of this. Well, she said. Enough. Roderick Palate are like Smokey Manaloto. Jano Gibbs. No. Smokey Manaloto. Yeah. Anjo Iliana. In Takashi's Casa. In the Filipino version of Takashi's Casa. There was a Filipino version yes, of Yes. It was Anjo Iliana and... Oh, Andrew E. One of the ways that I wanted to kind of interpret it is... Was it the girl's way of trying to get out of a marriage she didn't want? That's what I was thinking. Also, like she because was just, if he because she was offended at the start, it, yeah. she was offended at the start, and she was like, "Dude, you're so rude. You're not even like some stranger. Like you know the rules, and then yeah. you're just in my fantasy. The version of the me. epic is she eventually got out of the marriage she didn't want, but like it was just so impossible he gave up. But maybe they're like, no, 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 we have to." Tie the loose ends here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I felt it was kind of like a feminist view of it could be, you know, she knows her worth. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be sold to yeah. that that too. So she gave him more and more impossible tasks to try to get out of the marriage. Yeah. In my head, the story <laughs> is was like, so this epic proves that the earth is round. <laughs> 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 and that to who and that to what's his face was the first person to discover Hawaii. <laughs> so. okay guys so it turns out that we couldn't finish part two so yes. that's i mean we couldn't finish all the epics in part two so this is gonna be part two of three hey i think we're doing pretty well considering that the you know one epic is 30 hours long so yeah this is pretty okay yeah one hour and we cover minutes. in 15 minutes what yes. it took them three days to cover with less artistry and panache. <laughs> and more technology. Yeah. But we hope that you enjoyed that. Watch out very closely for part three, mm-hmm. which will get into the... Humadapnon. Melodramatic, lots of twists and turns, epic of the Hinilawal, or the Hinilawal. Three, bro- three Brothers of Panay. I, I, I would like to call this episode, but we'll still have to decide on the title later. I would like to call the episode Telenovela as Oldest Time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You have epic heroes. You have... Is there slapping? Adultery. Is there amnesia? And betrayal. Is there... So that's going to be interesting. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Peace out, guys. If you, you <laughs> if, if you want to reach us, you can you can you can find us at on Instagram at godsmustbecrazy.pod. We are in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. It would be great if you could leave a rating or a review. We love hearing from you guys. And of course, you know, just feel free to share the podcast on social media. That's the best way for people to find it. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.